Good morning. I'm going to have you turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 3. I kind of like when a new year comes along, because what you can do is start brand new in a way with your walk with God. And uh, 2021 is right before us, and you may look back on 2020 and you know, you think about New Year's resolutions, and we're so hesitant um, to make any resolutions because in our mind we're thinking, I'm not going to be able to keep that, and I'm going to fail, and then I'm going to feel guilty. And um, I just want to challenge you this morning, encourage you this morning, that there is something very positive and powerful about setting goals in your life. Um, you may, you may fail, but you pick yourself up and you still see the goal. That's the difference as a believer. Um, as we've heard this morning, this righteousness that we have in Jesus is something that's been imputed to us, which means he gives us, he doesn't impute our sin to us, he imputes his righteousness to us, his rightness, our rightness with God. We're right with God because of Jesus. So you don't have to be in the place of, I failed again, I feel guilty, I can't, I can't get over this, I'm going to quit. It's just like, are you kidding me? It's like you've been, he sees you, God, the Father sees you, he sees you, he sees Jesus in you. And that righteousness that you have, that rightness with God because of Christ who's in your life. And so anybody that's achieved anything in life has set goals. And for some reason, we think as believers, you know, that, that, that's not a good thing to do. That's kind of like legalistic. That's kind of like a work system. Not if it's done in the spirit of God and to set goals, because there are, there's goals that God has for each one of our lives that he wants to accomplish through us. And let me say clearly this morning that you have no power to keep these goals. The power is from the spirit of God that's in you if you're a believer. That's how the goals are kept. Cooperate with the Spirit, and everything, if, if the goal that you set was from God the Spirit, then that will be accomplished as you cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And watch God do great things through your life. Amen? And so as we're going into 2021, um, as we're going to see this morning, forget about the past. Forget about what happened this year. I don't mean make light of it, but there's nothing that you can do about it now. If there was a title to this message, it would be Christ, Our Goal. And um, this word just kept coming back to me about passion. What's my passion in life? What moves me with passion? What do I have passion for? And we have passion for a lot of things. Um, we're going to see this morning, the greatest, the most important passion we can have is for Jesus Christ. A passion for him, a love for him. That word passion just means an intense emotion for a person or an object. Let me say it again, an intense emotion for a person or an object. There's an intensity to passion. There's, there's a, you know, Jesus said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. There's an intensity to pursuing God. I haven't arrived. You haven't arrived. 
But sometimes I wonder, where is people, where, where is their intensity or their passion for God? Where is their love for him? Which brought me to a whole other thing in my mind, like, it's true. There are some people here, there's some people in the church of Jesus Christ, they love Jesus more than others. Why is that? Why do they love Jesus more than other people love Jesus? What is it? I know in the Bible it says, those who've been forgiven much love much. But that doesn't mean because I've had a more sinful life than you that I'm going to love Jesus more. I think it's when you come under the light of God and you realize, I don't care who you are, you realize your depravity. You realize how far you are from God. And you realize how much you deserve hell. And he's had grace on you. Um, that will cause you to fall in love with him. Amen? You will fall in love, and the more you understand that, the more you grow in that, you're going to be more in love with him, and he is going to be your goal. And everybody here is at a different place. Everybody been saved longer, saved less, um, circumstances as they're walking through life. But if our goal is Christ, we will accomplish what it is that he wants to accomplish through our lives, because he saved us for a reason. So I want to look at Philippians 3. I'll start in verse 4. Well, let me go to 3. Verse 3, chapter 3, verse 3. But we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, this is the Apostle Paul talking, if any other person thinks that he has that confidence, he must trust in the flesh. He says, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee. These are Paul's credentials. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but rubbish, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, as we are just talking about, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained or arrived, either already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do... Forget those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before me. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There's a lot being said there. Um, the Apostle Paul had one goal in life. His goal was Christ. Everything else in his life revolved around that goal. Now, what you're going to do in your mind is you're going to cancel that out and say, well, that's the Apostle Paul. That's not me. We have the same spirit of God in us. And I know I'm not the Apostle Paul or you're not the Apostle Paul, but these principles still apply to our life. 
And there are things that you put into practice, and as, as I go through this message, things that you can put into practice so that you can reach the goals that you want to reach for God. The goals that the Spirit puts on your heart so that you can um, work out what he's worked in. So you think of someone who trains, you know, for the Olympics. They have one goal in their mind, to win the gold. That's their goal. And think of every athlete, just looking at athletics, they have a goal, and they know what they have to do to reach that goal. Why so much less as believers in Christ? Our, what we're seeking is much greater than that. You read, you read stories, you know, reading a story about Mariano Rivera, who's a reliever for the Yankees, before he retired, he's going into the Hall of Fame. He would give up a home run, and then they would ask him, after you've done that, you come out the next day to, to face another batter, don't you remember, like, what you just did and how you failed? And he, had, he says, no. He says, I put that behind me. It's done. And I'm looking right now at what's before me. These are athletes, but this is the kind of mind that we have to have as believers. The natural man can have so much believers. We forget that. We forget the failure, and we're going to see. We forget our successes because either one of those are going to get us complacent. Again, I'll say the spirit is driving all of this that I'm talking about. You try to do this on your own, forget it. So the first, the first thing I want to say, there's three qualities that Paul had that we need. The first thing is an unconditional dedica- dedication to Christ. Like it says here in verse 4 through 6, Paul says, confidence in the flesh. Spoke, Paul spoke against those who had confidence in their position and their achievements. I just found this thing, and I just wanted to read it, just kind of summarize it. He was circumcised on the eighth day. This indicated he was born a Jew. He wasn't a Gentile convert who would have been circumcised later in life. He was of the people of Israel. All the promises of God made to Israel belonged to Paul by the privilege of his birth. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. This this tribe stood alone with Judah in in loyalty to the Davidic covenant when the nation of Israel was divided into southern and northern kingdoms. Within the territory of Benjamin sat the holy city of Jerusalem, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. In other words, no one can claim to be more a part of God's covenant people than Paul. He was in regard to the law of Pharisee. This was the strictest sect in the Jewish religion. They were devoted to keep the law in its entirety. This was an elite group of totally devoted followers. He goes on to say, as for zeal persecuting the church, Paul was so dedicated to keeping the Jewish religion pure that he sought to stamp out this new movement of Jesus followers. And finally, he points out that as far as legalistic righteousness, he was faultless. In other words, he kept the ceremonial law prescribed in the Torah concerning the Sabbath observance, food, and ritual cleanliness. He had no blemishes on his record along those lines. These were impressive credentials. Wouldn't you say, yeah? Yeah. And what he's going to say here is that they all were worth nothing. Paul saw that, saw that none of these was enough. They didn't bring him to know Christ. Nothing compares to knowing Christ. And if I say, if you remember one thing this morning, 
Remember this. There are people who know about Jesus, and then there are people who know Jesus. There's a big difference. You can know a lot about them. That's why a lot of people don't read the Bible, because they've read about it. And so why would I have to read the same book over again? The thing is, is to know him. And through the word and through his spirit, I pray that for 2021, which is probably already happened in your life through 2020, that you are drawing closer to him, getting to know him, not know about him. Some people think, oh, I could never do this. I could never teach something. I could never do that because I don't know enough about it. If you know him, he will teach you what you need to do and what you need to say. In Luke 14, 26 and 27. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he can't be my disciple. He can't be my follower. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. He's not saying hate your father and mother. He's just saying in comparison to that, it looks like hate because you love Jesus way more than those other things. We get hung up on our family sometimes and on situations, and sometimes we, we, we compromise the word of God because we're sentimental with our kids at times, when in reality, if we love Jesus, we're going to give them God's love, which sometimes is tough love. And so... These are the things that Jesus said. I didn't come up with them. Totally committed, Paul was. No strings attached. He burned his bridges behind him. That's sometimes hard to do because for some of us, doesn't mean you wipe everything out of your life. It just means what happens is sometimes we think we have these great credentials and we're, before we were saved, before we were a believer, and I went here, and I did that, and I got this college degree, and I've done that, so I'm something. We've become a believer, and we're still carrying some of that. There's an arrogance and pride, even as Christians. And sometimes it's subconsciously. We don't even realize we're doing it. But we're trusting in those things. I knew as I was preparing this, and it landed on New Year's, that as I prepared for myself, it was a challenge. It's a strong challenge for us to be able to, to know him and to press into him and what that will entail. The, the amazing thing, though, he gives you the choice. Do you want to do it or don't you? Luke 18, 29 through 30. So he said, as surely I say to you, there is no one, and here's the promise, who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and the age to come eternal life. Amen? There's much, there's reward for following him this way. You will be rewarded. In this life and the life to come, eternal life. I look back on some of the things that God put into my life that I had to do, and at the time it looked like, wow, I think I'm going to be a loser on this. 
maybe finances, maybe other things, and God is always, you know, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to you. He'll take care of all those things. Do I love Christ more than anything the world has to offer? Sometimes it's, we like what the world has to offer, but do I love him? We would say, oh yeah, of course I do. But how does that play out in our life? Do I love him more than you fill in the blanks? What do I spend most of my time doing? You know, I was thinking about that this morning, like, our prayer life and talking about prayer. And we have such a concept of prayer that we just see it as asking. We ask, we ask. And there's nothing wrong with petitions. But I think we heard somewhere this morning, like, how about sitting and listening, hearing what the Spirit is saying? You can do that as you're working, as you're driving. Whatever you're doing, you're praying. A life that is pressed into prayer you will be more intimate with him with a life of prayer that's, I just find myself more often just turning off the car radio and just praying or listening. It all adds up, all these things. So here he had an unconditional dedication. And the second thing, point two, he had an unquestionable desire to know Christ. Verse 8, I count all things but loss for the excellency of knowledge of Christ Jesus, whom I suffered the loss of all things and do count them but a rubbish that I may win Christ. That I may know him in the power of resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable to his death. An unquenchable desire to know Christ. There's a verse here, 2 Corinthians 5, 9. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, we will be well-pleasing to him. To know him. Now, you would, th- you would say in your mind, how can Paul say that when he wrote most of the New Testament? To know him. He doesn't know him? He doesn't know who Christ is? Here's the apostle caught up to the third heaven. If you read in the epistles... I mean, you, know, you wonder why this vision that he had caught up to the third heaven in the presence, of, like we said this morning, of the throne of God. He saw that, and here he's saying, I, I want to know him. I have a desire to know him. Well, Paul, don't you know him? All I'm saying this morning is that however much you know him, there's a whole lot more to know. Amen. Me, you, we haven't arrived. And if you have that desire to know him, 2021, he's not going to say, oh, you want to know me? Well, I'm not going to really let you know. He's not going to do that. He's going to open up things in your mind and your heart that you've never seen before. In verse 10, it says, that I may know him, the power's resurrection, the fellowship of sufferings, being conformable unto his death. And that word, translated no, listen carefully, has a connotation of a highly intimate knowledge. This knowing is not know about him. It's a highly intimate knowledge. It's you know Jesus. 
I want to know him more in 2021 than in 2020. That's my goal. Set a goal. If you don't set goals, you're not going to achieve anything. It's not, that's not legalism. That's not a works program. There's nothing wrong with that. The Apostle Paul is saying here, forgetting what's behind and reaching forth to what is before me. That's his goal. This is a deep knowing, a personal knowing. It's not knowing about God. Grant, I have that first uh, thing on the screen there. Um, say this together. The more you know Christ, the more you know that there's more to know. The more you know Christ, the more... Th- <laughs> Let me read it here. <laughs> Okay, listen. The more you know Christ, the more you know that there is more to know. The more you know Christ, the more you know that there is more to know. See, I know a lot. There's more to know. You're talking about the eternal Jesus Christ. I think when we get to heaven, it's going to continue on to know him. There's so many aspects as you go through life, you have to approach him and you see things that you've never seen before as you read the word and go, gee, I never saw that. There's more to know. Not information, there's more to know him personally. Paul had an unquenchable desire to know Christ personally. That was what was driving him. He wants to know him. Forgetting everything else. Doesn't mean you're not going to work. Doesn't mean you're going to neglect your family. It just means you got to fill in the blanks. How can I get to know him more? And we'll see that. 1 Corinthians 1.30. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Everything that we are, we are in Christ, but we're getting to know him more. It's not like I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. I meet so many people, it drives me nuts. It's, I don't, it's not so much here, it's just other things. Like, it's, you know, they, yeah, I'm going to heaven, I'm saved, and like, their life is totally not walking with God at all. And they think that's fine. Well, you can't talk like that. You're legalistic. You can't say those things because that's your opinion. It's like, well, just read the Bible. Don't take my word. This is what he says. Well, that's your interpretation of it. After a while, you can't argue. You just, you know, whatever. Believe what you want to believe. Do I Passionately desire an intimate, personal relationship with Christ. So you can see it's way more than I go to church on Sunday, I say hi to a few people, and if we were here, have lunch, and uh, say goodbye, and that's my Christianity. And I don't read the Bible that much. I pray here and there. You're not going to get to know him intimately like that. 
The greatest thing about a church, I find, is that we get to the place where we can interact again, and we, we, we do to a degree, um, but we're past this pandemic, is that you're talking to people, and you're hearing the Spirit of God coming right through them for things for your own life that you know they didn't know anything about, but it's the Spirit of God doing that. And that's how intimate and personal God is. He knows exactly what you need to hear, and he knows the person that you're going to hear it from, and he's going to, you're going to cross paths, and you're going to have a conversation, and that's going to happen. But that only happens if you stick around in the church, if you get to know people. Well, I, I hop from church to church because I can get different things from different places. No, that's not what God's talking about. He wants you to settle down somewhere, and what happens is, I told Pastor Jeff all the time, it's like people have issues in their life. God knows what they are. He's trying to give them grace to work on those issues. He brings them to a place where all of a sudden he starts to hone in on those areas. And what happens? People just say, nah, I feel like I got to go to another church. And they never deal. So they go to the next place, and what happens is the same thing happens again. I've seen it over and over. The issue is not the church. The issue is you and what you are not dealing with because God loves you and wants you to deal with it. Why? Because he wants to see you more. He wants to see more of Jesus operating in your life. It happens over and over and over. It's like, what? That's not the reason. The reason is this. They don't want to deal with something. And you try to encourage them, it's just, you know, it is what it is, but it's just like, that's what church is about. Then we, we conform to the image of his death. What is, what is Jesus doing in our lives a lot of times? He's bringing death to our flesh. It's the cross. It's the cross life. You want to follow me? then this is, this is part of the deal. If, if you want to be a follower of me, well, I want to follow you, but I don't like those results of following you. That's why many people, when he turned to talk to them, they didn't follow him. He challenged them. Oh, my goodness, that would be such a horrible life if all these bad things are going to happen to me by following him. Are you kidding me? It's the greatest life. It's It's freedom. We need to be free from ourselves. That's the enemy. And the third, last point here, he had an unstoppable determination to follow Christ. Verse 12, not as though I already attained either all or perfect, but I follow after that I may be apprehended for that which has apprehended me. I count not myself to apprehend or gotten there, but it's one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are before. Paul was focused on his goal, which was Christ. To reach the goal, I saw here three things that have to happen. If you want to put that up on the screen, Grant. Deal with the past effectively. That's the first thing. Live in the present actively and reach for the future deliberately. Deal with the past effectively. Let me just go with that. Deal with the past effectively. 
We all have a past, and a lot of us have a past that have good things that have happened in the past. And, and thank God for that. And then there's things in our past that have crippled us. We're crippled. We're, we're just crippled. God knows that. God wants to deal with it. It's a prison. It's bondage. It's like a haunting. It's a dark side. We see ourselves with our failures. We see ourselves with these disappointments. We see ourselves as always losing out. How in the world are we going to get beyond that? The human mind has so much power, how are we going to forget those things? And we can't break the pattern. So I saw three things from that. They're not on the screen. You just have to listen. Recognize the past is over. It's gone. It's over. It's finished. It's ended. There's nothing you can do about the past. You want to go live in the past? Go ahead. It's going to give you the same feeling and the same result over and over and over. Oh, the more I examine it, maybe I'll, I'll get freedom from it. Are you kidding me? That's what the enemy does. Yeah, concentrate on that for another month. You've been doing it for the last 10 years. What's that going to get you? But we get, we get fooled. We, get, we, we self-analyze ourselves. I don't have to self-analyze myself. I know the past. I know everything about that. And even as a believer, but mostly as an unbeliever, I can't go back and change that. I wish I didn't do a whole lot of things that I did because it will leave scars on you. Even when you become a believer, the wages of sin is death. So even as you become a believer, your sins are forgiven. But man, they leave scars. Because you, you think a certain way and you see things a certain way and it takes the word of God to change your thinking to get you out of that. So we recognize the past is over. Number two, we recognize Satan's strategy to remind you, to discourage you, and to defeat you. He's going to remind you of every one of those things. Oh, there you go again. You're going to get up there and, and do whatever you're going to do in your life. There are pro professional accusers, the demons are. Sometimes we we got a picture in our mind of what it's all like, but it's like the demonic world hates you. Hates you, hates you, hates you. There's no in-between. No, there's no gray area. They hate you, and they want to destroy your life. You, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just telling you the reality. That's the reality. They hate you. There's nothing about you that they like, and their job is to destroy you. They can't take your salvation, but they can paralyze you and make you ineffective. And the third thing, recognize you can change the way you respond to the past. You can't change the past, but you can, I'll show you how, you can, you can change the way you respond to it. And that's, that's where this... All I'm talking about is, this is not a self-help program that you're going to do. This is the Spirit of God working in you. Amen? Amen? There's nothing you can do. That's why it's, 
it's so awful. I feel bad having worked in human services in the counseling field to see people that over and over and over, they go to secular counseling who, can, who are good at diagnosing your problem, but they have no clue on how to get you out of that. Take this medication. Some people do need medication. They put Band-Aids on people, and that's why it says in Psalm 1, don't go into the counsel of the ungodly. If you're going to go to counseling, find a Christian counselor who's got both, who's got knows that stuff and also has the Spirit of God. Over and over, and there's people here I'm sure could testify that. It's almost like you have to develop divine amnesia. Holy Spirit just... I can testify for myself that I know things that really had me for a while when I first became a Christian, they've all faded away in time. As you grow as a believer, you just got to wait on the Lord and be patient. Some of these things aren't just going to come out in the snap of the finger. Some things do. There's some things in my life I say, they went like that. Boom. You don't have to worry about this. You don't have to worry about swearing and stuff. That stuff just went. And there's other things that were deeply embedded that it's almost like a thorn in the flesh. They're there, and you've got to deal with it. And it's to keep you humble sometimes so you don't get proud and arrogant. We cannot forget mentally... Like I just said, the mind is too powerful, but no longer allow it to control our lives. First Peter 2.2. 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. That's how you grow. This is basic 101 Christianity, but we get so far away from it. How do we grow as a Christian? We listen and read this book. It's the word of God. It's quick, it's powerful, it says in Hebrews. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It can change my way of thinking. Oh, I'm thinking this, but the Bible says that. Holy Spirit, make that real in my mind. And you'll find, like it says in Romans 12, there'll be a renewing of your mind. That's how your mind gets renewed. And it continues to be renewed. I mean, I, there's things that I think, and it's like things I want to do. Where in the world did that come from? Sometimes it's, it's genetics. It's like DNA. It's like passed down from one generation to the next. I've said it before, and I've said it many times. I'm capable, if you be honest, I'm capable of any sin or doing anything at any time left to myself. Oh, how did that person ever do that? I thought they were Christian. Are you kidding me? I could do that. Put me in the right circumstance without the Spirit of God? So wouldn't you. If you're not honest with God, or you think, "Ah, I'd never do that, I'm not like them, then basically you're a Pharisee. You think you're never going to do that, and watch out. And then Psalm 30, 73, 25. Whom, I have, whom have I in heaven but you, and there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. I want that, and I know it's a battle, because there's other things we desire. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. There's always going on. Now, we heard this morning the baptism of what Christiana said. I heard what she said. There's a battle going on there. 
don't feel condemned over it. That's just normal. There's going to be a battle. But greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Christ can enable us to be released from our past and move on. Basically, the thought I had, God gives us the grace, his unmerited favor, his spirit operating us to be able to meditate and memorize his word. Because that's the only way that your mind is going to get renewed. You want to change? It's not a works program. I'm just telling you what the scripture says. As newborn babes, desire the word. Now, this doesn't come in church. That just comes when you're alone with God. That's number one. When you're alone with God at home. That supersedes everything. Your prayer life, your time in the word. Paul was forgetting those things which were behind. Past laurels, past successes, past failures. Otherwise, you're not gonna, nothing's going to change in 2021. It's going to be the same as 2020. You're going to hope things are different. Oh, just because the, the calendar changes to 2021 doesn't mean it's going to be a better year than 2020. It could be worse. This could be a, a, a preparation for something else that's coming. We don't know what God's doing in the world. This could be a warm-up. Not being pessimistic, I'm just saying, we don't know what God is doing. And if you think you do, then you don't. Because <laughs> no one knows what he's doing. Live in the present actively. Replace pessimism with optimism. God's an optimist. Look at the future with hope, his word. God's grace will be there. He will be there. I don't know if I can do that. When you get there, he'll be there. The grace is there. It's not until you take steps of faith. Well, you, we want it all packaged before we make a move. God says, no, I want you to step out in faith, just like he told Peter, step out on the water. And then he was able to walk on water. And when he started to doubt, he sank. So it's stepping out. This is a, this is, this has challenged me like all week for me. And there's nothing wrong with that because I want to be challenged. Otherwise growth doesn't happen. Live in the present actively. We're not passive. We're active. As Pastor Jeff was saying, if the church comes together on Wednesday, why wouldn't I want to be there with God's people? Well, some of you work. I, I get it. There's other reasons. But why? Why wouldn't I want to fellowship with other Christians? I have to ask myself the reason for that. Well, I don't like people. Well, you're in a church. <laughs> and God's going to rub you with just the kind of people you really can't stand at times. <laughs> and he does that on purpose. <laughs> Trust me, I've experienced a lot of that both ways. 
God, you know I can't stand people like that. Yeah, that's right. And that's exactly why I brought, put him right in your life. You know why? Because he's rubbing the flesh off so the spirit will thrive. And then the third thing, reach for the future deliberately. Strain towards what lies ahead. Colossians 129. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. It's his working that works in you. You seek him, he works in you, and you work it out. Philippians 2. He works it in, we work it out. We just cooperate. Cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we just think, oh, God, you're in, yeah, God the Father is in heaven, Jesus is there, but who's here now? The Holy Spirit. He's inside of you if you're a believer. God is right here. He's not like, oh, God, help me. It's like, he's right here. The Holy Spirit's right there. You say, how can I hear what God's saying? Listen to God the Spirit inside you. He's right there. He's not far. We have to act. We have to do something. A runner, a runner seeking to win, not really merely to finish. Paul is talking about the prize, but I'm not competing with you. You're not competing with me. It's the, it's the goal that he has for you. Is there no condemnation? Yes. I don't know what, what he has for your life, what the goal is, but we're running the race. It's not 50%, it's not 75%, it's 100%. You're in this race. I say that to me and I say it to you. God doesn't, I just fear sometimes that the gospel gets watered down to the point of they take grace as a license to do whatever you want to do. God understands, you know, and he, he, yeah, yeah, he does understand, but read the scriptures. There's rewards, there's judgments, there's loss of things, there's casualties. He wants to bring out the best in us, and it is tough at times. It is hard. But what isn't hard that isn't good for our lives, really? Did I hate my father disciplined me? Yeah, but I'm glad he did. The Holy Spirit will empower us. Then this last scripture, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25. Let's read this together. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. He's going to reward you. There are rewards. 1 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 3, there's rewards for believers. Well, I don't care if I, I mean... <laughs> talk to someone my family go I don't care if I get any rewards I just want to just if I just have to sweep somewhere it's like you don't get it it's like God wants the I don't need any of that it's like yeah I know you don't need it but you get the crowns you you, you put them at his feet to, to glorify him 
So those three points must have an unconditional dedication, an unquenchable desire to know Christ personally, and an unstoppable determination. That means using, I'll say it again, that means using all available resources to get there. Your Bible time and your prayer time, that's you and me. Your church, show up, be active. That's how all this happens. It's all part of the puzzle. It's not, you'll still go to heaven, but it's just not me alone, reading the Bible, praying, come to church and leave, and that's going to be fine. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's got way more for us. There's people here who need you, and there's people, and they need you, and you need them. Jesus had a plan. Read the book of Acts. It was through the church. He's working through the church. As individuals, you're going out there, you're spreading the gospel, but the church is the vehicle because you bring them in and people get discipled, people get baptized, and that's how God, that's how God is working now. I'll close this in prayer, but I want to uh, play this music video, have you all stand and... Uh, You'll catch on to the words pretty quick. <laughs> 